0: Welcome to the It's Hard to Know podcast, a podcast about PMA, mental health, finding and staying on a path in a world that makes it pretty difficult to do so. I'm your host, Michael Hank Renfro, and thanks for joining us today. We are two weeks removed from the tragic and brutal murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer who had a long history of complaints of use of force and brutality. Three other police officers stood by and did nothing. All over an alleged $20 bill that was counterfeit. $20. The value of a human life. The officer who murdered. George Floyd, whose name I don't even care to say, we all know it, kneeled on his neck for almost nine minutes as the life escaped Mr. Floyd's body. Now, say what you want about Mr. Floyd, about his background, what you feel about his crime of passing off a $20 counterfeit bill, but nothing. Nothing justifies a knee on someone's neck for nearly nine minutes as they die. And this gets to larger questions about social inequality, racial inequality, class inequality, the role of policing in a fair and just society. It gets to the government's use of violence and the monopoly of violence that the government has and has bestowed upon the police. There's so much work to be done as a nation collectively, but there's also a lot of work to be done individually. About 30,000 years ago, a group of folks walked north out of Africa into what is now modern day Europe And as they acclimated to the climate in Europe, the skin tone lightened. And 30,000 years later, we've got white folks, we've got black folks, we've got Latino and Hispanic folks, Asian folks, all of different colors, all because people moved away and the sun impacted the color of their skin. And for some insane fucking reason, some people look at that skin color as if it makes a bit of fucking difference about the person inside. Which is not to say that skin tone doesn't matter. color of a person's skin is absolutely part of their history and their cultural makeup. And to say, I don't see skin color is an entirely dismissive load of bullshit. And is not helpful at all. We've got some work to do. In this country, violence is usually the answer. We hear it all the time. Toby Keith told us, we'll put a boot in their ass, it's the American way, after the attacks on 9-11. When we don't get our way, we threaten with violence. When another nation attacks us or threatens us or does something to fuck with our economy, we respond with violence. Yet somehow, when individuals respond to an unjust system or police brutality with violence, well, they're just looters and rioters. And we can have an argument about the use of violence and our over reliance on violence, but when one group in this country, domestically at least, the police have the monopoly of violence. And culturally, we don't allow, or at least the dominant class does not allow, any form of protest. Violence is what you get when one group stands up and says, Black Lives Matter, and the other says, well, then you're just a terrorist organization because you want to destroy the fabric of America. You get violence. When a player in the NFL decides he's going to kneel. After, mind you, consulting with a member of the military about the most respectful way to kneel, or excuse me, the most respectful way to protest during the anthem, well, that wasn't right. He hates America. So you get violence, because violence is the only fucking thing we listen to. It's the only thing we respond to, is violence. Even a month ago, the same ignorant ass people who are now going, well, violence doesn't ever solve anything, Hank or why do you gotta be violent why can't you just do what the government says or police said curfew was at seven if you're out at 705 you get what you get too bad if you get tear gassed are the same assholes that stormed the capital of several states and said we won't wear our masks we go to Applebee's or Dollar General there is a large portion of this country who has no moral or ethical consistency whatsoever. And at the end of the day, it all boils down to their power collectively as a group, white men mostly, and their power individually. But when it's the others, watch out, do what the cops say, be good, get in line. Not only is violence the only thing that we hear, violence is one of the few things we collectively care about. We care about violence we care about money we care about propping up the economy we care about property far more than we care about people stores didn't close during the pandemic to protect workers but a lot of places were really quick to close even when the protests were nowhere near them violence is a uniquely american response don't take it from me take it from the president when the looting starts the shooting starts. I'd like to read a quote by a scholar who's written extensively about looting. Quote, while no one condones looting, on the other hand, one can understand the pent up feelings that may result from decades of repression and people who have had members of their family killed by that regime for them to be taking their feelings out on that regime. And I don't think there's anyone in those pictures who wouldn't accept it as part of the price of getting from a repressed regime to freedom." Now, I know, academia and scholars, typically left-wing. Oh, wait, that's actually a quote by Secretary of Defense Don Rumsfeld after the fall of Baghdad in 2003. I remember several years ago, members of the NYPD having a counter-protest wearing shirts that say, I can breathe. Violence is a uniquely American language. So you don't get to be surprised when protesters who tried peaceful protest, who tried to engage people through Black Lives Matter and were shut down every step of the way, resort to violence. So uh, you can, of course, be opposed to violence. I'm opposed to violence. I'm opposed to the death penalty. I'm opposed to police brutality. I'm opposed to any sort of physical violence, but I understand that violence is the language of the oppressed when everything else has been exhausted. So while I'm not pro-violence, I understand it. I get it. Let's talk about some common refrains that I'm hearing in your hearing from primarily white people. First. Look at, the, look at the looters and what are they accomplishing? Well, what they're accomplishing is putting conversations around police brutality, around systemic inequality at the front of the national debate. Several cities have already talked about defunding the police, and I've got a whole episode on that coming next week. So what are they accomplishing? Making people listen. They accomplish getting the four police officers in Minneapolis arrested they accomplished getting their charges elevated. So it sucks that it took violence to make that happen, but it sucks even more that it took four fucking days for the Minneapolis Police Department to arrest their own. And if you're more worried about the destruction of property than the destruction of lives, then your priorities are pretty fucked up. We hear a lot about common refrain number two. Why not protest like Martin Luther King? Forgetting that when Martin Luther King was assassinated, he had about a 75% disapproval rating with white people. White people like to remember the I have a dream and content of the character and not the socialist and radical beliefs, not the anti capitalist beliefs that Dr. King held. Number three, what about black on black crime? What about white on white crime? Statistically, for any type of crime, Specifically, or, or especially violent crime, it's proximity-based. Most murder happens with someone that you know. And that doesn't mean you know them and that you're best friends. It just means they're not strangers. That can translate itself into many things. Different gangs, different part of your neighborhood, extended friends or family when, you, when it comes to things like sexual assault and rape. Crime is proximal. And crime is often driven by underlying social inequality. So what about black-on-black crime? If you truly want to have a conversation about reducing inequality, let's have it. But if you bring out black-on-black crime just as a way to shit on black people, then get the fuck out of here. And further, this isn't about black-on-black crime or even white-on-white crime. It's about one Organization in this country that holds the power, that has the monopoly on violence, and can use it against a group of people. And when that group of people protest peacefully, they're told to sit down and shut the fuck up. Next refrain Do we really have to tear down all the Confederate statues? Yes, fuck them. Yeah, they're trash. The Confederacy was traitorous, it existed to defend. Landholders, and I know not every Confederate soldier was a slaveholder. Many of them were poor, never owned a slave, their families didn't own a slave, but that's not who the statues are for. The statues are for the generals and the leaders of the Confederacy who fought an armed rebellion against the United States that you claim to love. So, yeah, tear them down. Well, we can't erase our history. It's not erasing our history. I know a fuck ton about Hitler, and so do a lot of other people, and there aren't Hitler statues anywhere. The next two are really destructive because on their face, they sound benign. The first is all lives matter. And you're right, all lives do matter, no doubt. But that's a really shitty response to black lives matter because black lives are the ones that are disproportionately targeted by the police, by the state. But that's not the discussion that we're having here. When you say all lives matter, that would be like after the Boston Marathon bombing, when Boston said, Boston's strong. And you were in your city and you said, well, my city's strong too. What about my city? Great. But the focus is on Boston. Saying all lives matter when one group is disproportionately targeted Is like going to your friend's birthday and screaming my birthday matters too when you just had your birthday party two weeks ago saying black lives matter doesn't mean that your life doesn't matter it's not a zero fucking sum game and the last is I don't have white privilege I pulled myself up by my bootstraps okay you had bootstraps that's great when we talk about a system that can arrest a young black man for using drugs, say marijuana, and then that young black man gets out of jail and can't get a student loan, doesn't qualify for housing subsidies or food stamps or anything else, and can't get a job because they have a felony record, well, they don't have boots. And yeah, you might respond and say, okay, maybe they shouldn't have been using drugs. Okay, that's a debate we can have. But Whites and blacks in this country use drugs at the same percentage or the same proportion of the population. And black folks, specifically black men, are six times more likely to go to jail for the exact same drug crime and are disproportionately, or let me rephrase that, are more likely to spend more time in prison for the exact same crime. You have white privilege is not the same thing as saying that you don't have it hard or that you may have not had hardships in in your past, in your life, or that you may not have struggled. It just means that in the context of that struggle, in the context of the hard work that you had to do, one of the things that you didn't have to worry about was being black. In a country that has shown that black lives matter less than white lives. So where do we go from here? There is a lot to be done, and... You know, I know a lot of people grew up in environments in communities or families where racism, in addition to sexism and classism and homophobia, were the norm. But it's time to fucking bury that shit. And just because it was normative for you, whether you're 16 or 60, you don't have to live the rest of your life thinking or feeling negatively towards people that are different than you. And if you choose to continue to think and feel that way, well, then you can choose to be a piece of shit. And that's your choice. It shows a complete lack of personal responsibility. But if you need to blame others to make yourself feel better and shit on others to make yourself feel better, then hey, but you're making it pretty fucking difficult for yourself because the world is changing around you, And if you instill that shit into your children, you're making it pretty fucking difficult for them because the world that they're going to live in is much different than the world that you're living in now. So, choice is yours. Well, how can you call me a piece of shit when you're supposed to be the tolerant one? Well, my tolerance ends at your intolerance towards others, especially when that intolerance impacts and hurts other people. When you look at your own life, your station in life, wealth or lack thereof, your access to health care, access to quality food, access to education, access to capital to start your own business. When you look around, who do you think you have more in common with? Is it rich people? Is it billionaires? or is it other poor and middle class folks? Because if the poor and the middle class in this country could ever unite and look past race and gender and sexual preference, boy oh boy, we'd really be onto something then.